The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air into left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Benintendi, Willie Adamas with his first big league hit. It's a home run against Chris Sale. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest show. On deck today, Joey Wendell on coming back from a couple of injuries this year. Doug Wachter of Fox Sports Sun. Mitch Lukovic on the Wander Franco promotion. Plus Taylor Walls on moving up to AA Montgomery. Mike Brasso on his first week in the majors. And Rangers broadcaster C.J. Nitkowski on Texas and the AL West. First, we look at highlights from the week gone by. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball, and our featured guest this week is uh, Joey Wendell. And first of all, it's great to have you on the program, but also back in the lineup on the regular basis. W- what has it meant for you, and, and how difficult was the first part of the season? Yeah, definitely not um, how I envisioned it going on a personal level. Though While I was out, the team played great and, and you know put us in a great position. Um, it's good to be back. I, I think probably what I miss most is just competing with the guys and being out there on the field and um, kind of day in, day out of it. And, um, you know, that, that's something that as a competitor I, I just miss with, with being out. And, uh, you know, when you're, on the, when you're on the injured list, it's just, um, you know, it, it can be challenging mentally as well as, you know, trying to overcome the, the physical limitations that you have. But uh, I, I'm really glad to be back and, um, you know, hoping to get things rolling offensively here individually and as a team and, and kind of get back into the swing of things. You mentioned being away from the guys was the hardest part. The injury itself, at least the second one, because you had the hamstring and then all of a sudden you get hit by a pitch, was the harder part with that the fact that for a while you just couldn't do anything baseball related? Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was basically four, almost five weeks of just, um, just rest and, and, you know, trying to keep the the rest of my body in shape to make sure that that when my wrist was healthy that the only limitation was was that wrist itself so I was you know doing my best to stay in in good cardiovascular shape and running and and you know making sure that my lower body was in in good shape but uh yeah it's just there's really nothing that you could do in that case just um you know the bone just kind of has to set and heal and, and unfortunately that that takes a good bit of time certainly and I think that this team is glad to have you back because you're I think a steadying influence I mean how do you when when people say that what does that mean to you um I you know I, I appreciate you saying that I I feel like for me the one thing that I bring to the table is is just that, that I'm going to be out there and I'm going to be competing every day um and you know you're not always going to have uh you're not always going to feel great offensively and and uh but but I feel like just the the constant um desire to want to want to help the team win in whatever capacity that is so if I'm not feeling great offensively it's it kind of like okay well, well how am I going to still contribute to help this team win whether it be defensively or on the base paths or, or doing the little things right um and you know like I said it, it's offensively this game this game can be pretty tough and, and pretty humbling at times um but I, I think it's one of those things that kind of uh 
we'll, we'll come back hopefully sooner rather than later for for this this group of guys. But uh, you know, I'm I'm just glad to be back and competing and, and do that every day. The one thing that I guess you could see, consider a bonus of the time that you were out was the fact that you probably got to spend a little more time with your son Jack than you would have normally. How much does it, benefit is that, and did that help kind of with the the hard period? Because he is what a little over a year old now. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a little over a year. Um, no, that that was great. That's something that you um, certainly don't expect or, or count on at that point in the season when the team's on the road to be able to spend um, a lot of time with with my wife Lindsay and son Jack, and um, that that was great. Um, you know, he. he learn to walk while the team was on the road so what would have been something that I wouldn't been able to to be there for and see I was able to um you know the goal is to be playing the goal is to be out there with the guys competing um but at the same time it it was nice um to be able to spend a little extra time with them in season but and you're human though too what's what's it meant to you to be a dad um I know you're one of three three brothers I have two brothers yeah so I'm one of three yep and uh yeah I, I mean it's a privilege and I um I just I love it so much. It seems like it's one of those things that just gets more fun every day, and and especially at the age my son is at now, he's he just come home and he's learned something new, or he's saying a new word, or trying to say a new word, and uh, you know I, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm just uh, I'm thankful that my my wife is is so great and patient with him and um, with with me as well, and she she's um, she's just amazing and obviously very happy family. And hopefully more happiness going forward. Today is uh, a giveaway of yours. Um, I don't know if your son will appreciate the the giveaway socks for the kids, the Star Wars socks. But what'd you think when they were uh, the made in your name, so to speak? Yeah, I think they'll be a little big for my son at this point. But uh, yeah, that, that's pretty funny. I I, um, I felt a little guilty when I saw in the off season that they were going to be doing this. And I'm I can't say I'm particularly a Star Wars fan, although I'm not not a fan it's just something that i didn't really grow up with um you know i've probably seen a couple of the movies once or twice but uh but yeah it's uh you know it's pretty cool (laughs) it's not bad to be a jedi i guess yeah i I mean i i think there are a lot worse characters within the within the movies that i could have been so you went to a lot of games though as a kid right going to phillies games was there a giveaway that you remembered and and what i mean what does it mean to have because the first time you've ever had a giveaway attached to your name yeah, it, it it's pretty cool. It's it's fun. Um, you know, I get I get people texting me every once in a while, like, hey, you know, see if you can grab an extra pair of socks or something like that. I guess I guess it's kind of a compliment that people want to wear me on their feet. I don't really know if that's a it's a slight or a compliment, but uh, it, it's kind of funny. And I actually remember um, going to a Wilmington Blue Rocks game when I was when I was younger, and they were giving away bats, like actual real bats. I don't think they they do that too often now. And I I remember uh, my brothers and dad and I actually. Um, shaving the bat down and making it a little bit smaller so that I could actually use it and swing it when I was however old, eight, nine, ten years old or something like that. So that that's probably my best memory of a giveaway. That's pretty cool. You, uh, obviously, it's kind of an honor, and, and you've received several honors with the Rays and otherwise um, during your short stint here. You got the Heart and Hustle Award last year, which obviously I'm sure you value tremendously, but you also got honored back at home. You mentioned Wilmington back in the Philly area. What, a Native Son Award? What was that like, and, and what did it mean to receive that award? Yeah, that, that was a that was a real honor for me, um, and, and just a really cool night in general. The Philadelphia Sports Writers Association, and you know, t- to be invited to that and, and just kind of see 
the the rich history of the of sports in that area and just um, really get a chance to talk with um, a lot of the writers and a lot of the people that have had such a big impact in that area and then and then to be among them was uh, was pretty humbling for me and, and, a, and a really cool experience what did it mean to be a native son award what and and how did they go about choosing and and were you surprised uh, yeah, I, I was surprised. I, I had never um, heard of the award or the event before. Probably um, not not because it's um, you know it, it, when I got there, I realized what it, what a big deal it was and, and and how cool it was and the people that were there. Um, so yeah, I, I believe they just pick an athlete from from the Philadelphia area every year who's who's gone on to to achieve some level of success, whether it be on baseball field, football field, um, you know, the basketball, there's a, a lot of athletes. Um, and, you know, to look at the list of some of the players that have that have received the award and to be on that list is, is definitely something pretty special to me. Very nice to be valued by your hometown area. And I know you're valued in this clubhouse, too. We're still a little bit away from Players Weekend, but are you going to wear Mendel again uh, when it comes down to it? Uh, yeah, I, I think I will. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, that that's kind of stuck cashy usually calls me mendel i get i get mendel a good bit so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll roll with that and that never happened until mlb network spelled your name wrong on a board is that how it happened yeah yeah that's that's the story um i mean i i, I think it's funny and it, it doesn't bother me in the least but uh, i i couldn't really think of a of a nickname other than joey so i just said uh yeah we'll, we'll go with mendel <laughs> And it's stuck. And and I think uh, you've had such an endearing quality, I think, to your team and the way you go about your business every day. How much do you think it helps that, you know, this team struggled here in the month of June. You and several others were part of last year's team that had two separate eight-game losing streaks and came out on the other side of it. How much do you think that can help this group going forward to know what it's like and know how to get out of it? Yeah, it's crazy to think, you know, in a, in a stretch like this, just – um, where, where you're not playing your best ball, where we're getting a little frustrated, and, and we're not doing the little things right, we're not doing the big things right. And um, but it, it's important to remember just how long this season is, and, and how you can you can struggle through a stretch, and and at the end of the year you almost forget about it. You said last year we had two separate eight game losing streaks. Um, I'm guessing one of them was early, but I couldn't even tell you when the other one was. So it, it's um, you know it's one of those things where. When when you play 162 games, um, at the time, 10, 15 games might seem like a big deal, but it's really only about 10% of the season. So, um, you know, we're we're working hard and and we're, we're we got a pretty tough schedule here. Um, however, 40 some games and 40 some days, but it um, you know I, I'm confident in this group of guys that we have, and I, I'm confident that uh, that we're going to get things rolling, do the do the small things right, which will eventually lead to to winning some baseball games. How important is it just to stay relaxed and not try? Do is it is it hard not to press individually when, as a group, things are are not going as well? Yeah, it, it can be. Uh, I, I think you kind of see that. I guess magnified in, in an extra inning game where you know that one swing could potentially change the game or one swing could put you up or win the game for you. Um, and you kind of see everybody try to hit a home run, when it, uh, you know, whereas if everybody were to just try to hit singles, maybe the game would have been over a little bit earlier. I think, um, you know, each person kind of individually wears the, the, the team's failures and, and at times can that can um, – I think that can affect the individual play and then uh, obviously the team play as a result. So I, I think that we're going to get to a point where we're relaxed, we're going to win some games, and uh, you know, then the confidence from there will follow. Certainly. I, I think it's important to be able to relax on and off the field. Obviously, uh, spending time with your family helps you relax. I also read you did some unsuccessful deer hunting this offseason. Is it 
<laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that that's accurate. I, I I did have a little a little success. I do have some meat in the freezer, but nothing nothing too crazy. It uh, yeah, I, I enjoy hunting and fishing and kind of just working on my house, spending time with uh, with my family and and all that good stuff. I learned last year you were pretty handy, or at least you had a dad who was pretty handy. Um, biggest home project you've got on on tap will be what next year. I, I wouldn't say I'm handy. I I would say that um, I I try things, and um, I'm thankful to have a have a dad who's willing and able to troubleshoot for me. Uh, let's see. The biggest I got to um, we we finished the hardwood on our floors, so we're going to do um, the hardwood on the on the steps. So that'll be a, a little bit of a project, and um, at some point maybe try to finish the basement off. But. Uh, yeah, we enjoy it. We have fun with it. So we're just uh, piece by piece. Well, hopefully piece by piece for this team, too. We appreciate some time and uh, conversation here on This Week in Race Baseball. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. That's Joey Wendell, and we'll continue in just a moment. You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and time to take a look at the week gone by, and who better to do it with than Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun, who obviously has been working the pre- and post-game broadcast this weekend. Uh, Doug, how impressive, first of all, was what uh, Brendan McKay did yesterday? I mean, to me, there was a lot of wow factor, a lot of it factor into what he accomplished. Oh, you're absolutely right. You know, you get so many reports from the guy, and you know, obviously, a lot of people have not seen him. We've only seen him sporadically in spring training this year. And and so you're going off of these reports on uh, how much poise he has, had the command of the fastball, the command of all four pitches. And, um, you know, he, he went out there, and to say he impressed is one of the biggest understatements uh, that you can really explain. Uh, he went out there and absolutely dominated. And for a 23-year-old to go out there and, hold his emotions in check and to be able to just be in control the entire time I was talking to somebody about it and I I kind of related to when a quarterback has that it factor uh you go out there and it's something that doesn't show up at the stat line but it's definitely something that every scout looks for every manager looks for and you know it was on display uh yesterday with Brennan McKay this guy has it and he's a kid who is flashing some stuff that it could play well in the major leagues for a long time. What impressed you the most about his pitching performance? Was it the fact that he had the poise and the mound presence or the fact that it seemed like he really had an idea as to what to do with every single pitch and was almost like a, a guy playing chess that was two steps ahead of the opposition? Well, you, you know, honestly, there's so many things that impress me. It's really hard to just say and whittle it down to one. Uh, the pitch selection, to me, really stood out. Because that's not something that we heard going in. Uh, we heard about his voice. We heard about the command with all four pitches. We heard about the pitch ability. But the fact that he went in there and he attacked a really good offense uh, with his fastball, and he attacked them inside primarily. You're looking at the right-handers if you're watching the game closely. He would go out there and he would attack a lot of these right-handers with fastballs inside, riding in on the hand. And for me, that's like almost an old-school mentality is refreshing mm-hmm. to because you just don't see that that often in the major leagues anymore. A lot of times you see guys going vertical with the fastball and then coming off of that with the off-speed, you know, whether it's slide or curveball, or they'll just sit away the whole time. But with McKay, I mean, he's pitching off that fastball and he's going inside heavy, and then when he sees a guy making an adjustment to him, he goes back outside to get the out. Uh, it's just the pitchability that he has and the understanding of what he wants to do to a hitter 
is off the charts. And it's way more advanced than any other 23-year-old I've ever seen. What can it do for a team, an outing like that, that certainly needed it badly after how things went on Friday night? Well, it's a shot of energy in the arm, first of all. Uh, you know, you just felt it. It dropped can of field. The excitement was in the air. Uh, and when McKay goes out there and puts together an outing like that, it's easy to get behind him and easy to root for a kid like that if you're a fan. So, obviously, the energy was in the trough. Uh, I think the offense felt that energy, was able to roll on it, but it's also contagious. Uh, you, a lot of people say pitching is contagious, and I agree with that 100%. you got a guy in Blake Snell going uh, after him, and now Blake is going to be watching exactly what McKay did to this Texas Ranger lineup. And now this is another left-hander who actually, I, I would say, just stuff-wise, if you're looking at just stuff, I mean, Blake Snell is throwing harder. Uh, he's got a little bit more depth to some of his pitches. But he can look and see what Brendan McKay did to this lineup and go out there and almost pitch to the same type of scouting report and expect the same outcome. So it comes down to just execution. So it really is it, the pitching is contagious, and I, I 100% think that Blake Snell is going to go out there and attack this lineup and really go out there and, and do well. Uh, he's going to feed off the confidence that you know, that Brendan McKay showed, and I think he's going to go into the outing and, and show that same confidence and hopefully get things on track. Doug, and we're talking with Doug Wechter again from Fox Sports Sun in this week in Rays Baseball. How badly does Blake need an outing like that? I mean, just from a, a confidence standpoint, because this has been his toughest stretch probably in almost a two-year period. Well, I think that, you know, Blake is one of those guys who still knows how good he is. Uh, there's no question about that. He, he does need it for confidence. He does need a little uh, a good outing that could really get him right uh, between the years. And I think that's all it's going to take is one good outing. He's one outing away from really seeing the Blake Snell that we saw all of last year. And it just takes that one time getting on the rubber and throwing it uh, consistently for an entire game to feel like yourself again. Uh, everybody goes through a stretch like this. You know, Blake is no different from – Anyone else who's taken the mound for a long time in the major leagues, and he's going to go out there, and as soon as he gets that outing under his belt, he'll get right back on track. His stuff is there. Uh, it, it's just going out there and attacking the zone again, uh, You know, making sure that your misses are not getting over the heart of the plate, but you're, you have good misses. And uh, it's just like getting that one outing, get it back on track, and I think today's the best. Do you think he was tipping pitches his last outing against Minnesota because – they had some swings on him that I thought were surprising considering the quality of pitches he throws. You know, I, I, it's a great question. It's a valid question. We'll never know. Some of the some of that bats, it looked like they were on pitches that you didn't expect anybody to have a swing like that on. Uh, Blake Snell's stuff is still just devastating at times. And for guys to hit him that hard, it was obviously very surprising. Now, that being said, there were some misses that got a lot of plates. A lot of times when you're a major leaguer, or most of the time when you're a major leaguer, you're, you're pitching to the corners, and you're telling yourself, if I miss, it's going to be off the plate. Or if I miss inside, uh, it's not going to catch the heart of the plate. But what I'm seeing from Blake a lot lately is he's, he's missing over the plate a little bit more than he had in the past. And so maybe that contributed to it a little bit. Um, you know, If he was tipping his pitches, I'm sure Snyder and him are on top of that now, and they're looking very closely. Uh, to see if they were and they'll adjust. But either way, you know, coming off of an outing that we saw last time, uh, he's definitely going to make a couple small adjustments, and, and we'll see him go out today and uh, 
hopefully put those adjustments into place and, and give him that one outing he needs for the conference. One more lefty I want to touch on, Jose Alvarado. How important was it to get him back on a mound yesterday, and how critical is he to the bullpen going forward? Huge. It was huge to get him on the mound and get him on the mound in a winning opportunity. I mean, we were up by four runs. Uh, not a save opportunity, but it's, it's an opportunity to go in late in the game with the game technically on the line in the ninth inning. You know, I, I understand that it's not a save opportunity, but still, you want to get him out there. He needs to get confident. He needs to get his timing back. He's been out for a few weeks now, and he needs to show that he's able to command his stuff in the zone with the lead. That's what he did. So uh, Kevin Cash isn't going to hesitate to put him into a situation where the Rays need some big outs. He's a high-leverage guy, and even though he missed a few outings and missed a few weeks, that's not going to change the fact that uh, Cash is going to put him in the high-leverage situation. So having him go out there, have a clean inning, uh, get out and, and kind of get that under your belt, that's huge for him, that's huge for the team, and you can expect him to be in these late-inning situations moving forward. Doug, great stuff. Have a good call today, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, anytime, Neil. Talk to you soon, buddy. We continue on this week in Rays baseball with a look at the minor league system. Joining us now is Director of Operations Mitch Lukovich. Mitch, thanks very much for being with us. Hello, Neil. Thanks for having me. You have to be awful proud, and I would I would assume the same is for your development staff after what uh, Brendan McKay did yesterday. Well, you know, Neil, everybody in our organization is really excited about what Brendan did yesterday. There's a lot, a lot of guys and gals involved in his, uh, you know, obviously we guys had to select him and guys have to d- develop him. And then you see what he did yesterday, you know, okay, it's a no hitter going into six, one hitter, but it wasn't really a surprise. His command has been good as any young pitcher that we have had come up through our system. And uh, I'm just happy for him with all the hard work that he's put in, overcome some injuries last year to have the, the one of the best games ever in a first game for a major league pitcher. We're, we're all proud of him, Neil. Mitch, I thought one of the coolest things, and I know you're probably not one that's following on social media, but uh, the kids in, in Port Charlotte and the kids in Montgomery, they're all watching and recording their reaction to him pitching in his first game, and it shows you how invested so many of his teammates were in what he was doing. Well, you're right. I'm not on social media, but that doesn't surprise me. Um, I was in... Uh, Montgomery when we called Brendan up to AAA and actually I got booed in the locker room after that because in all in good fun because they were all disappointed Brendan did not get the big league call at that time but certainly he's a good teammate you can see that by what you're saying with the outpouring of teammates on social media that's the type of guy he is and uh uh, we're all so happy for him and glad for his teammates. And he's going to have some of those guys in the big leagues with him, you know, uh, shortly as well. And we're going to touch on that, too. Um, you know, I, I think that I hear from a lot of fans, boy, they moved him up quickly. But he was a top five pick. And you guys really had the same course with Evan Longoria, David Price, elite guys at the top of the draft. Well, you know, we're, we're <laughs> sometimes we get um, some comments about how slow we move players, but basically players move themselves. And certainly Brandon at every level with his pitching has done really well. And we said if one would go ahead of the other, we couldn't hinder the one, in this case, the pitching. And uh, so we moved them along when he merited that opportunity and he moved himself. And, uh, 
in, in Montgomery, the bats started coming around early, and then he faded a little bit. He got to Durham, and then the bats started coming around, and you see what he's done with the bat as well. But, mm-hmm. yes, uh, you know, he's an elite player, and elite players get moved at their pace, which is faster than most, Neil. You had three elite players that were named to the Futures game. Brendan obviously can't participate. He is one. The other two, Wander Franco and uh, Ronaldo Hernandez. You moved Wander up as an 18-year-old to high A, and he's done nothing but impress in his first week. How impressive has this kid been, and how happy are you to see him be part of the Futures game in his first real year in the full year in the States in full season ball? Well, it's great for Wander. Wonder. He's absolutely a special, special baseball player. We haven't had anyone come in the organization at 18 that uh, has done what he has done. We have some really good high school signs over, uh, you know, since we started this, and I believe 1996. But uh, he's done a great job. And I can tell you, Neil, I know Ronaldo got a got a nod, but but we have a bunch of other players that could have equally you know, participated in the Futures game. Uh, they gave us a, a rather large list. We approved it all. And then, you know, you got to get a little equal opportunity with all the other teams. But but for the commissioner's office to come to us with, with a long list of players that could have played was very uh, special for us. And Wonder and Ronaldo were the two uh, with Brendan that got selected. And you were one of only four teams to get three players. Now, do will it be a raised player that would replace Brendan in the Futures game, or is that decided by Major League Baseball who replaces him? <laughs> that is decided by Major League Baseball, but I can tell you I did request, you know, and whatever, you know, little influence I have to say, hey, are we replacing, you know, uh, a raised pitcher for a raised pitcher? And uh, we didn't hear back, but... Uh, Hopefully right. that could happen because, uh, you know, we, we have a couple in our system that is equally, uh, equally as deserving. Yes, and I want to hopefully touch on a couple of those. Um, but uh, in addition to Wander Franco moving up um, and being in the Futures game, because of him moving up and because he was deserving, you moved up Taylor Walls, who we're going to hear from later on in the program. What has impressed you about Taylor and the system? I've heard so much about how good he is defensively. He's, he, he, from day one off the Florida State League campus to the Astrid turf in Hudson Valley, he can feel the ground ball. He can play shortstop uh, extremely well. Um, what, I, what I personally like about him the best, okay, outside of the skill or the intangibles, the willing, the willing to commit to play, the willing to work to play, the prep that he does, the off-season work. It's, uh, it's pretty special to the fact that sometimes we got to, take it easy a little bit because it's a long distance race in pro baseball. You know, you're going from, as you know, you do the grind meal February mm-hmm. and hopefully we're in the playoffs and, and, and that's a rather long season. So um, we're really proud of uh, Taylor and, and, and his rise to the double a level uh, this year. Your four full season clubs are all now 10 games or better above uh, 500 uh, with what happened yesterday. So you're continuing to win and develop. Um, one kid I do want to touch on, I, you can name a lot of pitchers, but Matthew Libertor, what he's doing at 18 and Bowling Green right now, uh, to me is kind of off the charts. Why has he done so well? How good is his stuff? Well, I just saw him. In fact, I missed Brendan's game yesterday, sadly, because I was on a flight back from Bowling Green here to Tampa. 
<laughs> and uh, I miss Brandon Stark, but I did see Matt Libeter, and you know he, he threw a you know he threw a uh, you know a complete game as a seven inning second game of a doubleheader, um, and he he just has wonderful stuff. But again, what separates these kids are intangibles. Neil, he's coachable. His attitude, his aptitude, is willing to learn. His willingness to 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 succeed, and that that's doesn't come in every player we get. Sometimes it is learned, even though it's hard. But Matt Libertor has good stuff, and he has good intangibles at a very young age. And obviously he was a, a guy who was your top pick just a year ago, and you've got some other top picks who are performing, Shane McClanahan, Shane Boz, who you got in a trade from Pittsburgh. But there's a guy who maybe is a little bit under the radar to fans that I want to touch on because of how good he's been, and that's Joe Ryan, who's now with the Charlotte yeah. Stone Crabs. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You can bring up Joe Ryan. And, you know, I saw him in Bowling Green, and it was like he put wood repellent on the baseball. He threw the baseball, his fastball, and they just swing right through it, swing right through it. And and for the first nine hitters in the game I saw him, you know, he threw one breaking ball. I'm thinking, we got to, we got, hey, guys, you know, we got to work on the secondary stuff. And now he moved up to the Florida State League. He's getting better with the secondary stuff. But, he misses a lot of bats, Neil. And, you know, you can, when these kids, he, he's in the Florida State League last year. He comes out of the draft in Hudson Valley. And I kind of rule out what they do, both good and bad. You just never know how you're going to get a kid uh, coming into your system because it's really a long year and so many first experiences. And here, Joe, Joe Ryan comes into spring training. He was blowing gas. He was absolutely dominating spring training, and he got a period of rest. And then he worked on our off-season program. Came in spring training like not too many have, and uh, we're, we're seeing some really good upside in Joe Ryan. You've got so many guys that I could touch on. Um, we're going to have you on obviously plenty more times during the course of the season. But congratulations on uh, what Brendan did yesterday. The guys who are going to the futures game, and hopefully you'll get a third there. We appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Easy to do, Neil. Thanks for having me. You got it. That's Mitch Lukovic, of course, longtime race director of minor league operations. Now coming up, we'll hear from one of the players just promoted in Taylor Walls. We'll hear from Mike Brasso on his first week in the big leagues, plus Rangers and MLB Network radio broadcaster C.J. Nitkowski. That's all coming up. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solans. One of the terrific stories this week was undrafted free agent Mike Brasso making his major league debut. Mike was gracious enough to tell me after the fact what was most memorable? Obviously a lot of fantastic first moments. I think the biggest thing that stands out is the fact that my uh, my family and friends were able to uh, put their, their busy lives on, on hold and you know buy a plane ticket out to uh, Oakland, California, and like an hour's notice of me telling them that I got the call. That was pretty special. And then, uh, you know, seeing my old man, my dad up in Minnesota and having him catch a game and, uh, you know, all that combined into one, just having them share that moment with me is pretty special. And have some success on the field in both places had to feel pretty good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously, you know, coming out with the series win finale, series finale, win was huge for us um you know i was just happy to be a part of that and uh you know do what i could to uh, help the team win you you had your first hit in oakland your first extra base hit your first rbi in minnesota 
How many mementos did you get of the occasion, and did you get a chance to give those all to your dad? Yeah, yeah. So I actually got uh, I got the first hit ball. Uh, I got the game ball after uh, my debut in Oakland. Um, both of those balls went straight to my dad, and then obviously, like you said, the uh, first RBI ball um, in Minnesota that also went to my dad. So I, I got all three of those and quickly handed it over to to him to uh, put in his man cave back home. And obviously, I'm sure he's pretty proud of everything that's happened, uh, as you should be, too. Was the beer shower the most memorable part of being with your teammates that first week? <laughs> yeah, uh, that one definitely sticks out a little bit. Yeah, that's, uh, not too often those come around. But um, I just think the overall, uh, you know, the support that my teammates gave me from the second I stepped in the clubhouse, the amount of congratulations I got and, you know, kind gestures that they, they gave to me was, was remarkable honestly so the, the whole time I, I was you know the first two series it was uh it was pretty special with with that clubhouse how much does all of this do for your confidence overall you talked about you know your confidence going into this year but how much did this experience help your confidence going forward yeah it was huge it was huge honestly um it allowed me to to kind of trust myself and knowing that you know i can play at the biggest stage in the world and um you know, I can produce and help a ball club win games. So um, it was definitely big on my personal side, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, the, Ray, the Rays' confidence in me was uh, kind of boosted a little bit as well from this showing. I would think it, I would think it was. How, I don't know if I'd call it life-changing, but, you know, most people don't understand that a guy who's not on the 40-man roster, to get added, to get that first experience, means a lot financially. How much does it mean to you, especially um, after this, when you're on the 40 man? Also, it changes, you know, your your how much you're making. Yeah, I mean, I I've never really played this game for the, for the financial reasons by any means. It's never been my goal. Uh, obviously, it does help ease the struggle of you know minor league lifestyle a little bit, but uh, you know that that wasn't the goal. Uh, was financial stability throughout this whole process. It was. It was trying to make a dream a reality, uh, making my family and friends proud. And I think that was the biggest takeaway from, like you said, not being on the 40-man and then getting that call and, you know, having a chance to perform in the big leagues. That's all, that's all it was right there. It was just making my family and friends proud. And I'm sure you have. How do you want to use this experience for the rest of the season? What little things maybe did you take away that can help your game? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing up here was uh, was you know having the mindset that it's still just the the same game that I've been playing my whole life, um, just on a bigger platform. And with that bigger platform, the game speeds up a little bit. There's no doubt about that. So I think the biggest thing I'll take away from this whole experience was was having that mindset and knowing how to to slow the game down to to where I can perform at my best. Um, and not letting things rush up on me. And that is Mike Brasso on his first week in the big leagues. He went three for eight with a couple of doubles and three RBIs, and I'm sure we'll see him back here at some point this season. Now, earlier on the show, we spoke with Mitch Lukovic about the recent promotions on the minor league side. One of the players we mentioned was now double-A infielder, Taylor Walls with the Montgomery Biscuits. Taylor, congrats, and thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. First of all, what did it mean to get the the promotion to be moved in the season, which is something you did not get to do last year? Um, it meant a lot. It was exciting. Um, there was a lot of excitement when I was just in Coach Smith's office, and he was just you know saying congratulations. You'll be going to Montgomery tomorrow. It was 
don't know. I was just I was a big smile on my face. Like you said, it didn't happen last year. I was excited that it did this year. Were you surprised, and did he have any fun with you when he did it, or he just kind of went straight forward? He was kind of serious at first. He was uh, kind of pretty straight-faced, and then when he kind of got to what he was going to say, he kind of let up and started smiling. So, I mean, it was fun. All the coaches were in there. I was I was really close with the whole coaching staff there in Port Charlotte, so it was a really cool moment for me. Did it especially mean a lot because you also had to overcome uh, really your first injury at the pro level? You missed some time earlier with a quad injury, and to be able to overcome that and get promoted, uh, I would think, had to mean a little a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. There were definitely doubts when I was going through that injury of whether I would just finish the whole year in Port Charlotte, or you know, what even if I would get back on the field and have it not really nag me the rest of the year, but. Just having being promoted, even going through that. I mean, it was. I mean, it was definitely something that did kind of surprise me at first. But I'm glad that it happened. For fans who don't know, how did the quad injury occur, and and when did you feel kind of pain, symptom free, so to speak? So the cure kind of like in. It first started around in spring training, right the last like week or so. I remember it was a game at the Orioles' place, and um. I just kind of felt it tightening up, and so we just took precautionary measures and just kind of took it slow and rehabbed. And then when I came back, I felt it tightening up again a couple games into the season when I got back. And so we kind of took it a little slower rehabbing, and since then I haven't felt it at all. Which is great. And you actually were uh, named uh, late to the Florida State League All-Star game. I know you've been to All-Star games before, but having missed a fair amount of time, I think that probably says something about the way you've played when you've been active. Yeah, that was that was the most shocking thing to me is just only playing 30 or so games and still being named all-star. I mean, it was an honor. I was I had an amazing time there. Uh, there were wonderful players there. It's just anytime you have the chance to get on the field with guys of that caliber, it's just a great thing, great time to compete. You know, I spoke with your manager, Jeff Smith, last week and, and spoke about the entire club, but one thing he said about you that stuck out is, is what a gamer you are and that defensively he says you make about a highlight play every single night. What does that mean to hear that? Uh, it means a lot, especially coming from, you know, a manager like that, just somebody who, you know, just has so much control and just knows the game so well. I mean, anytime you can get any type of compliments or feedback like that, it means a lot. Where I know you're an all-round type player. I mean, you've got a fair amount of stolen bases. You have a reputation for your offensive approach. But what? How much more pride, or is is defense more important than the rest of it as a shortstop to you? I take them. I try to put as much focus into everything as possible. So I mean, it's not like I I sit there and try to focus more on defense and offense or base running. But I mean, defense is just something that I guess it's just I played shortstop my whole life and I've took a lot of reps there and um, now like the past couple games are starting to transition over into some second base some third base so I mean just taking pride in every rep that I do making sure I get my routine every single day just not taking anything for granted or trying to focus on every single ball. I know that right after you got moved up to AA Montgomery Vidal Brujan did too uh, what's yeah. the relationship like between the two of you and how how close are you being that you guys have played together a lot, but you also come from very different backgrounds. We have a, a very unique relationship, being that being that I had never really played played or had a teammate from any other country than the United States until I got to pro ball. He was like the first teammate from another country that I kind of like bonded with, and I mean it's kind of I mean it's just 
I don't know. We, I just feel like we're kids when we're out there. He's, we're always, if somebody does something that they're not happy about, the other one's always there to joke with them and try to make them forget about it. I mean, we still do a handshake after the throwdown every inning like you do when you're in 12 and under. <laughs> I mean, um, it's just, it's always smiling, always joking around. Just, uh, it's a very unique relationship. We're always just trying to have fun. How do you want to grow this year? Uh, offensively, defensively, running game? How do you want to improve between now and the end of the year? Obviously, I'm sure a double-A will be a good challenge. Well, offensively, I kind of want to focus and kind of follow through more on my approach. I want to be able to, you know, follow through with the approach and not just get up there and, and kind of like just forget about what I'm trying to do every pitch, every at-bat. I want to be able to be way more consistent with that. Base running-wise, I want to be able to be smarter about the times to go and kind of try to find up and pick up a few things that might give me a little edge on whether it's the timing of a pitcher or whether it's seeing a kind of pitch that he's going to throw or knowing what pitch he's going to throw in a certain count. Just knowing better times to run to give me a better chance to get there. And uh, defensively, just being a little more versatile, just being able to kind of play second base, play third base, just and and at the same time maintaining the caliber of shortstop that I try to play. So, I mean, just, just kind of being versatile and, and trying to get as good at second and third as I am at short just in case, you know, something happens and they need me at a different position, I'm able to go in and fill in right away. And I'm sure you understand with this organization how vital that is to have that versatility. Yeah, 100%. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you since the College World Series just ended – uh, what did it mean to you as a former Seminole to see your outgoing coach end up back in the College World Series? Um, I mean, I wish you would have got it. That would have been like a, a book you couldn't have written. I mean, if, if he would have won, that would have been awesome. But, I mean, just, you know, seeing him compete, it, was, it just reminded me of when I was there. Just, I'm glad he got there. I'm glad they made it back. Um, I'm happy for that team. You know, going to the World Series is one of the funnest memories I've ever had. So, I mean just knowing the excitement that came with all the players that made it and just them being able to go back there. I'm, I'm very happy for them. Well, I appreciate you I appreciate you sharing some of your moments with us so far this year. Hopefully many more good ones to come. Good luck the rest of the year in Montgomery. I, I guess one of the best things is they've already clinched a playoff spot, so uh, no pressure in the second half, right? I know, right? <laughs> Thank you, Neil. Yeah, that is Taylor Walls and his move to AA Montgomery. Let's move back to the Major League side with the Rangers in town this weekend. I sat down with one of their TV broadcasters and also a host on MLB Network Radio in C.J. Nikowski and asked C.J. where the Rangers have surprised him the most. I'd say a couple of the offensive spots in the lineup. Joey Gallo, of course, has been uh, maybe the biggest story here with the Rangers this year, the improvements that he has made. Uh, still strikes out about the same rate, uh, but isn't chasing the same pitches out of the zone, and so that's turned into more power. It's turned into higher batting average on base. I'd say that was probably one of the biggest ones. We were all very curious about the starting rotation, not so much Mike Miner and Lance Lynn. I think everyone kind of had an idea what they were going to get in the first two spots, but what was going to happen three, four, five? And it was supposed to be Edens and Volquez, Drew Smiley, Shelby Miller. None of those guys are in the rotation anymore, and so it's been the adjustments that the Rangers have made uh, with the three guys that are now in uh, that rotation in Gerardo, Jesse Chavez, uh, Adrian Sampson. Uh, those guys have really done a really nice job, so I think that's that's been a big surprise as well. The back end of the rotation uh, has been a huge contributor to what they've done. With the Rangers being in contention in the division, what do they need to do to have a chance to 
overtake the Astros. So I think what will be interesting to see is how John Daniels ultimately decides to handle it. Now, as I mentioned, those guys in the rotation are doing a really nice job, but could they upgrade possibly with a veteran starter? I know they've talked about wanting to get guys that are controllable, but could you say add a guy and then put one of those valuable arms in the back end of the rotation into the bullpen? Or do you go out and you try to find another bullpen arm to add? There's some good left-handed pitchers that have been kind of up and down this year that they've been using. Uh, The idea of maybe adding a veteran lefty uh, would certainly be a really good spot. Uh, But I think like any contender, you're always talking about your bullpen. So I think something on the pitching side, you know, offensively right now, it's it's crowded for them. They actually, there's not a spot in which they are weak and say we really need to add here. This could be a spot. They're actually in a little bit more of a roster crunch uh, as far as when Hunter Pence is healthy and what they're going to do and Delano DeShields has been up and down Willie Calhoun so they have they have plenty of offensive pieces I don't think we'd see a bat necessarily uh, but something on the pitching side is where they'd want to add where has Hunter Pence provided more of a lift to the lineup itself or what he provides in the clubhouse I think offensively is probably the spot now he's done a great job they really like him a lot Uh, in the clubhouse in the dugout he's brought a ton to the table but that's also been a collective thing with Adrian Beltre being gone one of the questions that a lot of us had coming in who would step up and kind of be the leader. It's been more of a collective effort with guys like, of course, Elvis Andrews, Rignan Odor is a natural in that area as well. But then you add Hunter Pence, who comes from outside the organization um, with maybe a little bit of a, a fresh perspective uh, as well. And I'd say the same for, for guys like Logan Forsyth also. And, and Jeff Mathis behind the plate. So it's been more collective. So I think because of that, the offensive impact has probably been bigger. I think most people from the outside thought this was probably going to be somewhat of a transition year with a new manager, etc. Has this even surprised you a little bit? Or did you see something in spring training that this group could take a major step forward? No, I think you have to be honest. And I think, at least for me, for my position, saying, yep, exactly what you said. This will probably be a step back year. Uh, new managers, some conversations, new coaching staff, what they want guys to try. And it's pretty difficult to make... Uh, changes and see immediate impact but there have been a handful of guys that have seen uh, immediate impact they've done a really nice job of pushing the right buttons with the lineup matching up the guys rightly uh, correctly as far as matchups go and uh, you, know, you go back to the last I guess there were 14 or 15 months and look at not only what's happened on the field and the coaching staff but in the front office there have been a ton of hires so what they're trying to do analytically uh, has really come to fruition and has yielded positive results I think way quicker than anybody expected. And in terms of the wild card race, I think it's a question a lot of people ask with the race. If they can't catch New York, do they add? Would Texas add if they're playing for a wild card at the end of July versus a division in their mind? So I don't think they get off track as far as the big picture plan. Um, but doesn't mean they wouldn't add. I just don't think they would give up anything significant that is young and controllable to add. I used the example earlier um, talking to somebody. So I doubt they'd go out and get a rental starter to give up a guy like Willie Calhoun. right? To get an impact starter, you're going to have to give up something significant. I don't think they would do that necessarily. Now, uh, if there's a veteran guy out there that's not going to cost them as much, whether it's a starter or a reliever, I could see them doing it, but they're not going to get that far off the plan just to chase a wild card. At least I wouldn't expect them to. And big picture-wise, where are the, let's say, the young, talented pitching prospects that can also go along with what obviously is a very explosive offensive group already? So most of what they have in the minor leagues is at the lower levels. And so we've seen a little bit come up uh, from the minor leagues. There's the impact arms are probably not at the top of the minor league system right now. And John Daniels has talked about that quite a bit. They really like what they have uh, down below, uh, underneath double-A. So the A-ball guys, they've had a couple of guys that have had injuries as well. Uh, but they think the, the pitchers that will be the most impact are still probably a year or two away. And as you, obviously, from your national chair, do the work you do on, on uh, MLB Network Radio, how do you see the American League right now? Uh, it's 
pretty good, obviously, in the East. I think the Rays have the toughest division to contend with. I think that's probably obvious, although the West is certainly making uh, some noise as well. The Twins have been the biggest surprise probably in baseball for me. I thought the Cleveland Indians were going to win that division easily, but so many things gone wrong with injuries. They're going to have to fight now to, to try to win that division. I think the Astros, even though they're struggling right now, probably, if not the best team right there. Uh, the Yankees are starting to get healthy, um, and so they become a significant impact as well. And then the Red Sox, it feels like they're going to get it turned around sooner or later. They start to, then they stumble a little bit. I have a hard time believing they're not in it uh, at the end. So you got three teams in the American League East that you expect to be in it, uh, probably one from the Central, and then this West right now is, uh, is pretty wild. And that is C.J. Nitkowski, of course, of MLB Network Radio and TV analyst for the Texas Rangers. Hey, a reminder that the Rays have an exclusive offer for fans this week when they host the Orioles. Fans can get tickets to the games Monday through Wednesday for just $2. That's right, $2. Plus, all fans in attendance can enjoy $2 fountain drinks and peanuts. Be part of the action for just 2 bucks. Go to RaysBaseball.com today slash specials. RaysBaseball.com slash specials today. I want to thank C.J. Nitkowski and all of the guests on our program today, including Joey Wendell. Of course, the giveaway item, his uh, Jedi socks are given away today to the kids 14 and under. Thanks to Doug Wechter joining us from Fox Sports Sun. Also, special thanks to Mitch Lukovic, who heads up minor league operations for talking about the Rays going to the Futures game and a whole lot more. Congratulations to Mike Brasso on his first week in the big leagues, and thanks to him for sharing what went on. And also congrats to Taylor Walls for his promotion, a kid from Florida State going to A Montgomery for joining us too. If you have something you want to hear on the program, just tweet me, at Neil Solons. Next week we will chat with whatever raised player or players end up making the All-Star Game. Special thanks to my producer today, Derek Dubose. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.